0: The end zone has a man open, touchdown, Justin
1: Blackman. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Locked on Pokes. I'm your host, Colby Powell. Glad that you are all with me. Make sure you head over and follow me on Twitter, at Colby J. Powell at ColbyJPowell. Locked on Pokes, follow our partners as well, Boone Pickens State, on Twitter, at BP underscore State, where they're currently having voting on the logo bracket, your favorite Oklahoma State logos. Check that out, at BP underscore State, on Twitter, and then search Boone Pickens State on Facebook and Instagram. Joining me this Friday, as he does every Friday, Oklahoma State insider Jack Klein. Jack, what's going on? Hey, not much. How's it going, buddy? Oh, it's good. It's good. It, it's weird. Uh, another week has gone by with no sports. Um, much Netflix has been watched. King, we did. We I, Tiger King, did you watch Tiger King? I did. It's fantastic. Have you seen the whole it's thing? so fascinating.
0: Like, did you watch the whole season? I did. We watched it in one sit down, which I'm kind of embarrassed Oh my admit, God. But uh, it's it's, unbelievable. it's like one of those little late night ones. I mean, you're quarantined. You got nothing else to do. And we're like, well, let's just go ahead and knock it out. And it was like, Twitter was going crazy with it. And so it was like, well, let's just go ahead and watch all of it. And if it wasn't like an actual true story, I don't really know how you would think that it's real. You know what I mean? Like it it's really out there.
1: Yeah. I haven't watched it, but I'm familiar with kind of the story of Joe exotic. Um, Dana and I are trying to finish Dexter so that we can watch it because we're too hooked on Dexter to watch anything else. We've only got three episodes left in the entire series. Did you ever watch Dexter back in the day?
0: I did not, and okay. uh, you're one of the people that are just, like, whenever you start a series, you, you can't – it feels like you're cheating on the series if you go to a different one in the middle of it. Is that what you're kind of
1: feeling? Yeah, I mean, I kind of watch TV the same way I eat. Whenever I eat, I have to eat one thing and then move on to the next thing and then move on to the next thing, and I can't eat one portion of my meal. <laughs> like, if I have a hamburger and fries, I can't eat any fries until I finish my hamburger. I'm kind of the same way with my TV shows. I can't switch to Tiger sure. King until I finish Dexter.
0: Well, it's weird that you're you're such a big, like – TV series guy but you don't really watch movies but I- I guess that's a different conversation for a different podcast.
1: That is a different conversation for a different podcast. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to get your take on Kirk Herbstreet's comments earlier today. Kirk Herbstreet said that he would be, quote, shocked if we play college football this season, that the idea of packing 80,000 people sitting next to each other in stadiums in five, six months just doesn't seem realistic. We're getting further into this coronavirus thing now. We're further down this road of everybody being quarantined and trying to figure this out. The numbers are getting worse every day. The hope is that at some point it's going to peak and then we're going to start coming down the other side of it and return to some sense of normalcy. But what do you make of Kirk Herbstreet coming out and saying that earlier today? And how devastating would it be if we didn't have college football this fall?
0: You know, I was pretty shocked whenever he said it. I, I think a lot of it is that there's just so much unknown with just not just the sporting world, but just, you know, our, our lives as we know it. I mean, me and you have been quarantined now for for a while. And so, I think Herb Street's thing is that I think he's more trying to maybe just get that out there to be like, hey, this is a possibility. Um, I, you know, I think that's just so far down the line. I mean, you think about just two weeks ago was whenever they really canceled the NBA season and March Madness, and you know, a week before that, you know, it was like so everyone crazy. saw
1: the. Feel like yeah, it was that feels like three months ago.
0: It, it does, and so I think that that's one of the things where this situation is just really evolving, and I think that. I don't think anybody really knows. I mean, I think that the reason why they're trying to make sure everyone's doing the right thing, and hopefully uh, the listeners are too, just quarantining yourself, giving, you know, basically what we're doing is we're trying to obviously uh, lessen the curve, but also trying to give these doctors and all of our really, really smart medical professionals time to be able to figure out how we can basically control this virus. And so I think that speaking for something that's you know, so far in advance in terms of months. I mean, I know all, obviously all the spring games and all that stuff were canceled, but um, I, I think that saying something that we know for sure is going to be in August or September, I think that's kind of a, a hard thing to really know either way at this point. But it doesn't really feel like they that that a football season would be canceled, at least to me. And obviously, I mean, I think that that would be really devastating for, for fans everywhere. What do you think?
1: I mean, I think it would be especially devastating for Oklahoma State fans because Oklahoma State's the kind of program that doesn't have opportunities to compete at a really high level, a top 10 in the country level, but about every couple times a decade. And this upcoming season is supposed to be one of those couple times a decade, and if that gets taken away from Oklahoma State, I think it'll be devastating. You look at a guy like Chuba Hubbard. Chuba Hubbard leads the nation in rushing last year. It's a stacked running back class, so he now decides to come back to college, and now everything is just up in the air, and and for Chuba, you you feel bad. You don't know if maybe he feels at this point like he should have gone and and go get some money because who knows how long we're going to be quarantined, who knows when he's going to be able to play football again. But I want to see him in an Oklahoma State uniform again. He came back. I would hate for him to waste a year and then not actually end up being able to play football. I I want to see him in an OSU uniform again.
0: Yeah, I do too. It really started making me think the last couple weeks where – um, you know, then we'll get more into kind of Chuba and what he projects next year for OSU. But do you uh, – I mean, with such a weird situation. I know mean, it's obviously too late with the combine going away. But, like, do you think that if they told Chuba that he – today, if he could make a decision by Monday to join the draft or go back, do you think his decision would change?
1: Man, that is a good question. Based on all the information? I mean, it might. It's possible. Because, again, if you get drafted on, let's say, April 23rd, April 24th, whenever the case would be, even if – You're quarantined for a year. You've still got some money in your pocket. You're still going to sign a contract. You're still going to get a little signing bonus. So you're still going to have some walking around money. And if you're not going to be playing football anyway, I I don't know, man. It's just, it's a weird time we're living in where we're even talking about these things. Um, Because, you know, if college doesn't play, then the NFL is not going to play. I I don't think one would play and have the other not play. So I I feel like we're just kind of stuck in football purgatory right now.
0: Plus, so with like the, I know that they've talked about this with the NBA, and I saw one uh, on uh, some of the sports shows today talking about what NFL go to fanless sports, and I'm, i I, just don't see how how that would necessarily can happen. Can you imagine? Again, every, can you imagine? I couldn't imagine, imagine that?
1: throwing an 80-yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill, and there's nobody there, nobody to cheer, nobody to celebrate. Can you imagine watching that on TV?
0: So I, I can because I've seen it so many times. I are talking about 80-yard pass. You're talking about no fans. And fans. No I'm fans. Sorry, I didn't know what you were talking
1: about. <laughs> no fans. I should have used a non-Chiefs example. That was my fault.
0: Yeah, because uh, I'm a huge Chiefs fan, and uh, it's really funny because we talked about this too with Chuba where I think all year we were under the impression that okay, he's you know, regardless of some of the you know the criticism they had, where I think a lot of it was people that didn't watch him a lot. You know, you saw criticism throughout the year that was like, well. He's a smaller back. Can he really get through? Like, can he be a power enough back to get between the tackles? And I mean, I, he showed that he's one of the most complete backs. Um, Jack, out he had there a in thousand yard
1: rushing season inside and outside the tackles. He, he got north of a thousand in between the tackles, and he got north of a thousand outside the tackles, which just shows his versatility as a back. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that we talked about, though, too, where those people that were saying those things don't – it's
0: like they don't watch the tape. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he's obviously everything for the team. And, you know, not to go too far with the Chiefs, that's one of the places that we talked about where I said, you know, I I think a lot of the mocks he was going in second and third round was going to a team like Kansas City. And it's like, can you imagine him in that offense? I mean, like, was there a more perfect perfect fit for that? But, I mean, in terms of of Chuba, I mean, looking forward, I think that – we were both pretty shocked whenever he decided to come back. Um, at least I, I absolutely was. Yeah, I was pretty surprised. Um, just because, I mean, I think at worst most people had him as a, a top five guy at the position. Um, and so I think that it, it's very conflicting as a fan because the running back position is just way different than the other ones. You know, I know that even if Tyron Wallace would have come back without the injury, um, you know, it's like, hey, receivers and quarterbacks, you can have a long career. But it seems like with the running back groups, it's like, you know, by the time you hit your, you know, your late 20s, it seems like those guys are kind of getting phased out of the NFL To these guys that are, you know, in the younger 20s. And so um, in terms just being conflicted in terms of thinking that he was going to go and, you know, he could make a lot of money being an NFL caliber uh, running back, but also being extremely happy as an OSU fan because, I mean, let's just face it, she was the best player on the team. And, and how many games he just changes just because, He hits the hole one time and he's gone. And, you know, having a guy like that can be an instant punch that can get you, you know, he can get you multiple points on the board just by normal plays. I mean, it's like they drew up, you know, all these fancy running plays for him. It was a lot of just very simple run plays that he just is so great and he's able to just break off tackles and, and, you know, go uh, long distances. The one thing I would say that I do think is the most important for him this year Is I I think you know obviously with with new coordinator I don't know how this is going to be but I think he needs to be more of a guy out the backfield I think he needs to be a guy that touches it in so many different ways I think him being able to you know pass or catch passes and do those things is kind of like the next real full evolution of his game didn't feel like he caught a ton out of the backfield did to you.
1: Um, Not not a ton, not a ton. Hold that thought. On the other side, I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about the dynamic that was added when Spencer Sanders got comfortable with himself having that one-two punch of Spencer and Chuba. I want to talk about that on the other side. First, I want to remind everyone to go see our friends at Simply Green Pharmacy in Stillwater. You know you need to get stocked up. You might be in the house for a while. Simply Green Pharmacy is the place to be. It's a clean environment. They're wearing gloves. They're sanitizing everything. Customers are not allowed to touch the jars, anything of that nature. They're making sure that they take care of care of you, the patient. Go see them at 617 East Redbud Drive in Stillwater. You can also check them out online at livesgf.com. That's Simply Green Pharmacy. Head that way. Tell them Locked On Pokes sent you. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back on the other side. Jack will still be with us. We're going to talk about Oklahoma State's offense and the dynamic that exists between Spencer Sanders and Chuba Hubbard and why that is so hard for people to defend. That's coming up on the other side. Stay with us here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to Locked on Pokes. Make sure you head over to Twitter. Follow me at Colby J. Powell at Locked on Pokes and follow our partners Boone Pickens State. Make sure you vote in the logo bracket challenge that's going on right now. They've got the swinging peats, they've got the wrestling peats, baseball peats, softball peats, whatever peats you have, they've got it. All the OSU logos. Go vote on them as we're trying to have a little fun right now while there are no sports. And we're having fun talking about Oklahoma State football and the dynamic that exists between Spencer Sanders and Chuba Hubbard. Jack, I think toward the end of last season, right before Spencer Sanders got hurt. You know, you had the Texas Tech game and the Baylor game. That was the bad Spencer Sanders. And then I think as the season progressed, Sean Gleason started to figure out how to use those two guys together and make life miserable for opposing defenses because with Chuba's big playability and now Spencer Sanders running the ball for 100 yards a game, when you take him out, you saw how much easier it was for teams to defend Chuba when Spencer was not out there because they load up, they fill all the running gaps, and there's just nowhere to go. But when Spencer is there, that one extra guy has to hold for that extra half second to make sure Spencer doesn't keep it. And that half second is all Chuba needs sometimes to take it to the house. So that dynamic between Spencer and Chuba, I think they feed off each other so much and it makes each one that more special.
0: No, I completely agree with that. And before we go further on that, I did have one thing I wanted to mention is uh, with your, your partnering sponsors, it's got to be the Swinging Pete logo, right?
1: Uh, so there's four different Swinging Pete's, and they've narrowed it down to like the current one and then kind of the old school one where it's got the little swoosh going above it. And that's the one I like. That's the one I voted for. But all the Swinging Pete's are classic.
0: <laughs> I'm gonna say that, That's got to be the must. Um, and so in terms of like that dynamic, I mean, it's, it's honestly really scary if you're a defensive coordinator because... The one thing that we've seen, you know, even in the NFL where, you know, you see guys like Lamar Jackson, but definitely in college, these guys are those dual threats. Defenses just can't contain them, you know, and with having, you know, not just a dual threat quarterback with Spencer, but having, you know, the best back in the country with Chuba back there. If you're a defense, I don't really know what you do. I think that you've got to try to load up and just force Spencer to to beat you throwing the ball. I mean, that's what my my thought process would be. And I, I think that we saw Spencer get a lot better at, um, you know, passing the ball as the year went on. I think that, obviously, the low point, I mean, the, the Texas Tech game was really hard to watch. Yes. Um, and so I think that, that that's the one thing that, you know, we talked about with, with Chuba's growth, being able to catch passes out the backfield. To me, I, I think a lot of where this team is going next year is on Spencer's shoulders. And I think that it's one of those where he can make so many dynamic plays. And I really do think whenever he's at his best and she was at his best, they're going to have an elite offense in college football. I'm um, especially with Thailand, you know, coming back as well, but he's got to be able to limit the turnovers because that's the one thing that is really di- that But that, that, that's the thing that changes those good, you know, college football teams from those great ones is the ability to not turn the ball over and to capitalize off turnovers. And so, you know, going back to Texas tech when he had five different ones and he, you know, it's it, it just a limiting that many, you know, he, obviously he's not going to be a quarterback where he doesn't have turnovers. Even the best ones uh, always have turnovers, but not having that many, um, because I, I feel like if the defense can, you know, they made lots of improvements at the end of last year and, I mean, if they keep making those improvements and they keep getting the ball back in Spencer and, and Chuba's hands, I just feel like they're going to be a really tough out for, for any of those teams next year.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, if you try to figure out a way to stop Spencer and Chuba, you bring too many guys in, oh, here's your reminder, Tyler Wallace is standing out there, and Braden Johnson really came on as a deep threat at the end of the season. So, so I feel like if, if the football gods exist, Jack, we will have college football next season because it, it would just be almost criminal for us to not get to see what this Oklahoma State team could look like with all these guys coming back and the way that they progressed throughout last season. We just, I, I need it. I'm craving it. I need to watch Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, Tyler Wallace, Braden Johnson, All the, uh, Jelani Woods is back. I need to watch all those guys try to put all the pieces together and accomplish something special.
0: No, I agree. I think that the one the one downside is I was looking more at their schedule, and it's like it's too bad that they didn't have last year's schedule this year. Yes. But I think having it having a team like OU at home this year, you know, it's kind of things we always talk about, though, too. Where I think that you know, anytime that you're not one of those blue blood schools, and I absolutely think that OU is, I'm um, same with Alabama and those. It's hard to beat those schools on any type of consistent basis because they're getting the best recruits and, some, you know, and the best ones uh, in the country and they have the best coaches and all that. But um, it's like on those years where they have similar talent, you know, we, you know our freshman year at OSU, we had the Brandon Whedon and all of that, and it was like we definitely – it's those years that you have those types of players that you need to, to be competitive, you need to beat them. It's like, you know, like last year, you know, Spencer Sanders is out, Tylan Wallace is out. You're not going to beat OU in a year like that. Like, if you had them at home this year with Spencer, Tylan, and Chuba, they could be really, really competitive in that game. I mean, like, I think that would be one where it would be a true bedlam where, and even look a couple of years ago with, with Mason Rudolph, Anytime they have that similar talent, like, you have to make sure that you're competitive and that you're able to, you know, at least beat your rival every couple of
1: years. Yeah, I'll say this, though. In Mike Gundy's tenure, Oklahoma State has won just as many times in Norman as they have beaten OU in Stillwater. Fun fact for the day. <laughs> Isn't that a crazy stat,
0: though? One so, each.
1: So maybe it's better? Maybe it's better that they're on the road? <laughs> maybe. I don't know. One each, which is crazy, 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 crazy to think about. Um, by the way, the early line has come out on that game. Have you seen the point spread for Bedlam? I did not. Take a guess. It's in Norman. OU's won 15 of the last 17. Your, your best guess is to what that line is. OU minus 14. Oh, no, you're way too high. You're way too high. Oklahoma State's got stuff coming back. Eight and a half. Eight and a half's the line. Okay. Vegas got to get money on both sides. Plus 14. Yeah. A lot of money would come in on OSU plus 14 if they were getting two touchdowns. You well,
0: know, I'm, I'm trying to use the, lim- the the power that we have here on the show to make that line minus 14 so then we can go ahead and bet it.
1: <laughs> yes, we have such pull and such reach with the influencers in Vegas that I would be shocked if that line hasn't moved up to double digits uh, by the time we're I on mean, next Friday.
0: We're locked in. That's what I'm saying. Just don't be surprised if that moves up to 12, 12 and a half by next week and then we just bet it.
1: Uh, Sounds like a plan. We're going to take one more break, come back on the other side. Uh, And I want to get your thoughts on Cade Cunningham just tweeting at uncommitted recruits across the country uh, and what it could potentially look like if some more of those guys decide to join him in Stillwater next season. We're going to take a break, come back, and wrap this thing up. Stay with us here on Locked On Pokes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. Wrapping things up here on Locked on Pokes. Glad everyone joined us today. You need to go join our friends at Simply Green Pharmacy at 617 East Redbud Drive in Stillwater. There's no better place uh, to get what you need to get yourself through these uncertain times whenever you're just sitting around uh, watching Netflix, playing video games. Go stock up at Simply Green Pharmacy. They're wearing gloves. They're keeping everything sanitized. It's a clean, professional environment. They're making sure that they are prepared to take care of you, the patient. Go check them out, 617-617. East Redbud Drive in Stillwater and visit them online at livesgf.com and make sure as always to tell them that Locked On Pokes sent you. All right, Jack, you are the basketball guru. Basketball is your uh, your main love and I, I know the NBA is your your number one love, but next year we're, we've pretty much got the NBA coming to Stillwater. Cade Cunningham is the projected number one overall pick next season and, and Cade has now this past week tweeted at uh, uncommitted four-star recruit Donovan Williams, who's an absolute stud. And now Cade Cunningham is tweeting at Zaire Williams, who's listed as the number five overall player in the 2020 class. Remember, Cade Cunningham, the number one player in that class. So Zaire Williams tweets out last night and says, is it really the best decision for me or the best decision for you? Just kind of a cryptic tweet. And Cade Cunningham replies with a GIF of the student section at Oklahoma State and says, never too late, brother. So, Cade Cunningham doing some recruiting, trying to stock elite talent. How, how cool would it be to see Cade surrounded by, you know, even a couple more four-stars four other than what Oklahoma State already has coming in uh, and even potentially Zaire Williams? I mean, that would be it, – it, I'm not trying to let my mind
0: go that far. You know, I'm just very appreciative Do of a guy like Cade. Let other your mind drift. Here. But – I'm like, that would be unbelievable, right? I mean, like, you're talking about if you can get him, especially, you know, with any of those other top-level recruits, I mean, OSU is going to be unbelievable next year. And I do think that that would speak to, you know, how impactful Kate is. I mean, if he's able to recruit other people to to Oklahoma State and all that, where especially, you know, those five-star recruits, you know that they have standing offers with places, you know, like Kentucky, Duke, Kansas any of those elite-level programs. I mean, if he was able to you know, switch any of those recruits to come to Oklahoma State, I mean, that would show, I think, not just his skill level in terms of what he is on the court, but I think it would also show that people really like him and people wanted to come play with him. I think that that would be be what I would take from him, and to me that would be more profound than anything that he could put on the court in terms of if he can get those other guys that want to come to, to Stillwater and play with him.
1: Yeah, it would be great. And I just I can't wait to watch college basketball next season. Hopefully, we won't be having conversations in a few months uh, about what college basketball season could potentially look like and whether we will even get it. Uh, by the way, a lot of people have been going over the 2004 OSU St. Joe's game over the last week, just looking for good content. <laughs> CBS is actually re-airing it this Sunday morning as part of kind of their uh, little re-air series. That they're doing. Do you remember the 0-4 OSU St. Joe's game? We were a little younger at the time. I don't know how into basketball you were when you were 11, 12 years old. Do you remember that game?
0: Well, didn't they have like Delonte West and Jameer Nelson? Uh, they, they did remember? have Delonte
1: West and Jameer Nelson. They were thirty and one at the time. Oh, my gosh, Un- unbelievable! I-, I
0: remember a little bit about the game. I mean, it- it- it's crazy how you know you look at those two guys like a Jameer Nelson, longtime NBA vet, by the way. Coming from St. Joe's, was in the league for a long time. Like congratulations to him. Um, I, I actually don't remember a ton. Like I, you know, I remember obviously like some highlights, but you know, it, it's hard whenever you're younger to remember like full games and full plays the way that we do now with sports. You know, it, it's like. Any of those sports that we see now that we're older and we're actually like watching it on, not just for fun, but also trying to analyze the game, you
1: watch them differently than whenever you were young and you're just enjoying watching the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember from 2004, I I remember the Elite Eight game against St. Joe's and I remember the John Lucas game winner and being excited. But what I remember even more vividly, uh, I mean vividly to this day, I remember the heartbreak I felt when Oklahoma State lost the Final Four game Right at the end, yeah. because Will Bynum went coast to coast and laid it <laughs> up. at the Will, end. say, Will Bynum. <laughs> oh, you talk about some, a blast from the past. By the way, you know who Oklahoma State would have met in the title game had they beaten Georgia Tech? I don't remember. It was UConn. It was UConn, and it was the oh. uh, the seven-footer that went number one. What was his name? It was not to beat. It was before to beat. Uh-huh. Oh, I can't even remember now. UConn ended up dominating Georgia Tech in the championship game. UConn was loaded that year. But uh, anyway, that was a great team for Oklahoma State. So, uh, Jack, good stuff today. Another good podcast. We will do it again next Friday. At some point, we're going to have sports. Until then, we'll just keep having fun. Maybe I will have watched the Tiger King by next Friday, and it'll just get weird.
0: Uh, Well, I hope so, because that's what we're going to have to fill up part of the podcast with next week since we're going into week three or four of quarantine.
1: Maybe we'll do an exclusive Tiger King podcast at some point. Do you think we can get them on? Uh, the Tigers or Joe's Exotic?
0: No, Joe, I know they've locked in. So, I mean, he'd be a perfect fit for this podcast.
1: Maybe we could get him on. I saw the other day where he's in the Grady County Jail. You know, those are my people. So <laughs> I, I'm not going to
0: make you go down that road of trying to explain why Grady County Jail is your people. So.
1: Grady County Jail is not my people. Grady <laughs> County is my people. I could talk to somebody who could talk to somebody who could get us a phone call with the Grady County Jail. That's all I'm saying. That seems like a shoe one at
0: this point. So I'm going to go ahead and expect that. Just tell me whenever he's uh, he's available, and I'll hop on as well.
1: Sounds like a plan. Enjoy it. Have a good weekend. All right. See you, bud. All right. That's Jack Klein joining us. Everybody else, that's all for today. Everybody, we're back on Monday. Have a great weekend.